Just do it. Just dream it. Think about it. Do some brainstorming. I mean, every action starts within. It starts in your mind. It starts in your heart. I mean, that like the heart part is like an itch, you know, to get out. And I mean, I feel it. I'm sure you feel it. Everybody who travels regularly, they like, they feel that itch when they haven't traveled in a while. And, you know, like you, like you said, when you travel, then you realize how big the world is and how little you've actually traveled. So then you want to like get back out to it. And so, I mean, advice I'd say maybe start small and um, plan it out like a little while in advance. You know, if you've never gone anywhere before, plan a trip to the, like, you know, a five hour drive away, find a spot and plan it out six months in advance and spend a week there and just immerse yourself and enjoy the place. Like don't take work. Like, yeah, start small and then stretch out farther and farther. And um, it's like traveling is like a muscle. And if you exercise it, you get better at it. Your systems of flow get better. You know, the things that trip you up in the first time, you know, you figure out and then you don't trip next time. And yeah, just get out, go. Let's talk about art and travel today with Taylor Gallegos. Welcome to Techua with Benjamin Morse. What can I say about this amazing human being? He is my mentor, coach, friend, inspiration, muse, and so much more. Taylor and I have known each other for quite some time now and have evolved together on many levels. Taylor is a painter specializing in murals and studio painting. His work focuses on unity, connection, environmentalism, love, and creativity. He is particularly talented in portraiture with an uncanny ability to capture the essence of people deep within the artwork that he creates. He does live painting. He live painted my wedding. Uh, He's done various commissions for me over the years. Notably, he painted Tupac, Bob Marley, and Jimi Hendrix on an old carpet that I had. And then he went on to paint the same trio on my snowboarding helmet. His creativity knows no bounds And that's really what I'm trying to say. As a professional artist, his work has ranged from large-scale murals to portraits, like I mentioned before, and to abstracts within the studio. He also, like I said, does live art, uh, mostly mostly within the fields of painting and drawing uh, with acrylics and oils. And as we talk about in this episode, his work as an artist has taken him across the world. He's been on tour with musicians, he studied abroad in Italy, and he's traveled the world with an acute and developed artistic eye. He's also a talented and articulate storyteller, uh, as you'll experience for yourself in this episode, and he recently combined those talents of being uh, an amazing storyteller with his artistic acumen to launch his own very successful podcast called Art and Life with Taylor Gallegos. I've been fortunate enough to feature as a guest a few times on his podcast, and I really enjoyed the experience. 
This, my friends, is what led me to create Tetrawatt with Benjamin Morse and the notion of bringing folks together in this medium to explore and share breathtaking stories about travel was just too good to resist. In this conversation, we talk about art, of course, uh, but we also peel back layers of travel. Taylor emphasizes the role of mentors, both as a young traveler and ultimately as an artist. And he's a true seeker. He offers sage-like advice when it comes to taking the next step on your hero's journey. One of the things that I truly respect about Taylor is his ability to embrace the moment and to jump into the unknown. He is always down to just do something, to take on a new project, to, to try something new, to experiment, to innovate. And it will definitely come out in this episode. So I hope you brought your scuba equipment because we're going to be going deep with this one and Mr. Taylor Gallegos will be our guide. So without further ado, I give to you the one and only Christopher Taylor Gallegos. All right. Hello, Mr. Taylor Gallegos. Are you ready to tattoo with me today? I am ready to tattoo <laughs> Good, good. Well, uh, first of all, I have to say uh, this is an incredible opportunity for me to repay your genuine hospitality and openness for having had me join your Art and Life with Taylor Gallegos podcast, uh, not once, but twice, and with the second time being your season finale. So uh, super pumped to have you here. Thanks to have. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm very excited to be on this podcast. Yeah. And listen, congratulations on such a successful first season uh, with your podcast, 52 episodes, thousands of listeners and, you know, proof that you are indeed a great conversationalist and host. I'm excited to flip the script a little bit today with you, but congrats, man. You've been doing great. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Season one was awesome and I'm really looking forward to season two. Why don't you, for folks that haven't necessarily had the opportunity to jump into your podcast, why don't you just take a moment to, you know, tell us a little bit more about uh, what you're hoping to do uh, with season two, what kind of the genesis of the podcast is all about and really where you want to go from here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, So the podcast in general, it's called Art and Life. It's like a, a dive into creativity, philosophy, ways of thinking and have that idea, have those things shown through people from all walks of life. So everybody in different backgrounds and different fields of study um, actually have a lot more in common than we all think. And I guess that's a a through line for the podcast in general. Um, You know, everybody's creative in their own ways. And so that's what it's all about. And then the first season, there was a lot of just kind of me figuring out the, the, the podcast format, how it works, how, how the flow of this podcast goes and like what worked, what didn't work. So, uh, and there's all these little systems in place that, you know, go along with making a podcast that you now, you know about and, or are learning about, but the listeners don't necessarily hear. And that's like, you know, the whole process for the interviewee and all the different steps that they have to go through. And so there's a lot of like behind the scenes leveling up where I want 
not only do I want the final product of the podcast to be an A-level experience for the listener, but I want it to be an A-level experience for the interviewee. I want them to, I want it to feel like the Ritz Carlton of a podcast experiences um, in, in as many ways as I can. So there's those step ups. And then, um, yeah, I'm going to expand on the format a little bit. Um, <clears throat> actually our, our interview where you interviewed me on the final episode, we did it in a two part series. So the first part was like the standard art and life process, um, which is introduction, the body of the podcast, the question and answer section at the end, and then a conclusion. Um, but with, with our interview, we did that you ran me through that. And then we did a bonus section, which was just like a free flow conversation. And that felt so awesome because it's like, you got, you got your hard work out of the way. And then at that point, it's like kind of bonus time. And I think that there's like, I know that in, when you interviewed me, it felt really cool. And there was a lot of really nice organic stuff that happened in that section of the podcast. So I'm now including that in every single episode moving forward. So every episode is going to have a part one and a part two. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked on that part. That's, that's awesome. And such a great overview. And I think like for, for folks jumping into this, this conversation here, uh, I was uh, guest number 19 on your podcast and I had such a fantastic time. It really was inspired to bring people together in this medium and kind of expand on some of the conversations that I've had with folks, some of the relationships that I've built over the years. And, you know, while your lens is creativity and kind of one's, uh, uh, pursuit in in art and uh, other ancillary forms of creativity. Uh, the through line within this conversation is travel. And I know that you and I have talked a lot about travel and uh, how it's impacted both of our lives and really how it's opened up doors for us, opened our eyes to new worlds and really new ways of living and, you know, probably even new ways of uh, approaching art. And I, I will say as well, for folks that haven't had the opportunity to jump into your podcast, you know, you've got such a great story and you've truly embraced the identity of being a multifaceted artist extraordinaire <laughs> with, you know, specialties in painting and uh, really like painting super realistic portraits, breathtaking murals, along with a multitude of other forms of art and also, you know, shifting into the role of uh, a creative podcast host and producer, which just shows your versatility and I think one of the areas I'd really like to explore with you in this conversation is that trajectory, kind of how you evolved from, uh, you know, being, I mean, really like a, a young artist growing up, going through the motions, kind of having these life-changing experiences, and then ultimately landing where you are today, just being so involved in, in many, many, many different forms of creative pursuit. So that's that's really why I wanted to have you on today, and I'm, I'm excited to unpack that story a little bit. Sweet. Sounds great. Let's do it. Perfect. So, you know, we've known each other for almost 15 years, uh, having met on the soccer field in 2006 at Colorado State University. 
So we we go back a ways, and you know, from from the time we met, we also obviously just built our relationship both on the field and off the field, and it's been so inspirational to see how you've evolved uh, and how you've kind of stepped into this very genuine and authentic uh, version of yourself, and really the incredible roads that are still in front of you today. I'm sure. Um, but, you know, taking a step back, maybe we can get to know a little bit more about you and your origins and your pathways that you've traveled as you developed into a successful and strapping artist that you are today. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, strapping, strapping artist. <laughs> I'm like picturing you carrying all of your, your paint brushes and your paint, uh, with like your flowing long hair and your fantastic facial hair, just cruising up and painting a big wall somewhere. Oh man. That's exactly how I like to roll. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So you're originally from Colorado, right? And now you live in, in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. So I was born in Boulder. Um, Boulder, Colorado grew up outside of there in a place called Lafayette. And I grew up, it's kind of a suburb spot. I got a hippie mom. Um, my dad is a salesman just, uh, yeah, kind of raised in between their houses, had a great, great upbringing. Stepdad came in and crushed it from his perspective. I got a younger brother. Uh, we used to we just like romped around playing soccer and having a great time. So that's when soccer started, played through uh, growing up into high school. Uh, and then I went to Colorado State. Um, well, yeah, and I, I was drawing and painting all the time as a kid. Um, that was really how I loved to spend my time. Um, from when I was really young, like three, four, five. And, uh, I just spent a lot of time doing it. And then I took my first art class in high school and it clicked because I had so much experience. I just excelled at it. And I was like, man, this is, this is great. And so then I went to Colorado state university in Fort Collins in 2000 and started out as a double major in art and business. And then I dropped the business side of it, which looking back on it, man, if I could have actually done that, it would have probably um, given me such a leg up. But I didn't do that. I dropped the business, went all in with art, um, which was a great route. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, and yeah, I actually didn't make the soccer team the first couple of years I was there. And so I was just doing my art thing, um, learning how to paint, learning how to draw, becoming like formally trained by these really fantastic teachers, um, learning about, you know, how to do portraits really well and, and figural work and learning ceramics and all the other stuff. Um, and then I studied abroad in Italy, uh, my fourth year, fourth year. I went to college for six years. So I basically, I'm pretty much like a doctor. That's a solid effort. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm like a doctor except for art. Um, basically <laughs> the same thing, same, same, but different. Um, same credentials. Yeah, basically. Um, so went to, went to study abroad in Italy. And when I was there, that was when I absolutely just like fell in love, dove into the art um, and really connected with these, these historic names and artists like Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci. And, and it really became so much more real. It came alive for me. Um, and we've talked about a bunch of this on the, um, 
on my last episode where you interviewed me. So people can go check that out and get the whole story. But yeah. And then also when I was there, I got back into playing soccer and I really dove into like my self training. There was one coach that I had at a camp one time that had us kick the ball against the wall over and over and over again for like an hour. And he would just critique our kick. And then like, we'd fine tune the kick and then we'd take that and then jump onto the pitch. And all of a sudden, like we can just pass better and shoot better. And it was like this aha moment. And so when I was in of it, yep. Yep. And you can get like a thousand kicks in, in a very short amount of time. And you can really feel where the ball, you know, when you kick it here, it spins it that way. You kick it here, it spins it that way. So that was like, a major aha in my life in terms of soccer, which ends, ends up like infusing itself into my art and my life and how I do everything. But, um, just that, like, it's like Kobe shooting free throws, you know, it's like any, it's, that's how you sharpen your skills is actually doing the most basic form of it and doing it a ton. Um, so yeah, I played soccer. I, I did that all the time. And then I started playing in these games with these local Italian dudes. And I was like, oh man, I'm actually, I still got it. Okay. Started playing all the time, had a blast, um, came back to the States, got back in, into school at CSU and then tried out for the soccer team, made the team, played, did art. Um, yeah, that was up to college. Should I keep going? Keep. No, it's great. I mean, I, I definitely have some questions to, to dive into that a little bit. Like I, I, I love the way that you were able to kind of talk through that that arc and, you know, like traveling to Italy sounds like it was quite a big uh, experience for you that that really changed a lot, both in terms of your athletic pursuit as a soccer player, but also uh, within your artwork. Can you talk a little bit more about kind of just how you found that opportunity? Like how how did you carve out that that opportunity for yourself and you know what made you want to switch it up and and leave leave the country leave colorado and go all the way across the the ocean to to italy and you know immerse yourself in a space that was just very different what was that impetus for you yeah i i think it was just like a curiosity i'm I'm assuming i think that they had you know some posters hanging up around the art building and some teachers were maybe talking about it and yeah, I just had the courage to go for it. And I, I, I remember being like kind of hesitant, not thinking that it was what I wanted to do, but yeah, just kind of went for it. And my parents were supportive and yeah, it was, it was the best thing I could have ever done. Have you traveled abroad before that point? Like the, was this your first kind of big leap or had you had kind of some, some la- uh, baby steps up that ladder previously? I did have some baby steps. When I graduated high school, my mom sent me on this trip. My mom worked at this high school, an alternative high school in Boulder uh, called September school. And they would do these trips around like to different places around the world. And they had a trip going to Bali and my mom as a congratulations for graduating high school. uh, She got me a spot on that trip. So I got to go to Bali for two weeks with this whole group of people that I didn't know before. And Yeah, that was that was a, one of the first big ones uh, ab- abroad. Yep, and uh, 
Yep. Yeah, some new friends. I mean, yeah, and I, the only person I knew was the teacher because she had worked with my mom for a while. And yeah, it was so much fun. Got to learn. It was it was really cool. I mean, I I remember we they set us up with a lot of uh interactions and experiences with the art world there actually. So we got to meet with uh this these people that do these like frog dance plays and they have these outfits that are painted and colored and all these things and we got to talk to them about you know and learn from them about their culture and how the masks are involved and all these things and then we got to make our own masks at this other time with this this guy who was like making these masks and painting them and so we got to paint our own masks and then uh there was another time where we got to go to this art gallery and talk to the like art curator and it was really cool seeing like the local culture and flavor of of artwork and and at that point i was curious and i of course was into art but it, it wasn't like my my life yet that's that's really fantastic and like to get you know like it, it sounds like that experience was probably uh very uniquely and geographically uh you know, located in Bali. And I, I love that story because I think it exemplifies the, the power that travel has and your ability to, you know, take that risk. It sounded like you were, you know, a, a bit, a bit nervous to, to jump into it, but, uh, probably also quite excited. And, you know, I, I think back of when, you know, when I was 18 years old and where I was at with, with my travel trajectory and, you know, those, those types of experiences, especially as a, a really young adult kind of immersing yourself for the first time are super powerful. I mean, that really opens up doors. Oh yeah. It opens up doors and, and stretches your understanding for things, your conscious reality for how other people live. And I think, you know, as, as teenagers, as young people, especially as teenagers, we're so, at least I was, uh, we're so just in our own worlds. And especially when we grow up in a certain spot, we don't move around a whole lot. We can be sort of, uh, one geographic location centric so that it's like the rest of the world, you just don't know about things. And so it's really, I, it's so good to see other parts of the world. I feel so blessed to have had the opportunities. And I, and I very much see that, you know, I'm really lucky to have parents and grandparents who value travel so much because it's totally shaped, um, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, like family, uh, but yeah, it's totally shaped who I am and my view of the world, my perception of reality on this planet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned your family there, like where, as you were growing up, were there, you know, role models that were, uh, consistently kind of, uh, bringing you out of, of where you were at through travel and, and exposing you to new places that maybe they, they enjoyed visiting or they were really comfortable in. Definitely. So my grandfather and grandmother loved to travel. That's what they did. Um, My grandfather was uh, in World War II in Tonga. So they loved that part of the world. They would go and travel there. They, They loved Europe. They had friends all over the place. My grandparents were really good at being good friends with people. Like they stayed in touch really well. 
Um, they've set a really good example of like how to, how to create long-term friendships like ours, Ben. And, um, and so, yeah, they, they love to travel all over the place. And then they brought us with as much as possible. They, they lived in Cleveland, Ohio. And so we would go and visit them, you know, for summertime or for, for Christmas. And then, uh, my grandpa's brother, so my great uncle, he, lived in Manhattan and then he had a house on the beach in New Jersey. And so we would go to the Jersey shore, um, almost every summer. And then my grandma, no one else in the, in the family seemed to really care about going into the city, but I was enamored by New York city as a, as a kid, teenager. I still am. I love that city. And, uh, so we would take the train my grandma and I would take the train North into the city and go cruise around and check out different places, go to the top of the empire state building. Um, and yeah. And then when I graduated college, my great uncle, uncle bill for the one from New York, he, he was a single guy. Didn't have any kids. He was really well off and he would take any, anyone in the family that graduated college, he would take them on a trip to somewhere around the world. And he actually had this group of friends that would, for the last like 30 years of his life, this group of friends would pick a place every, like, I think it was every year or maybe every two years, pick a different spot on the planet and they would go and do some kind of a trip. And so he would bring family members who graduated college on that trip. My trip that I got to go on was uh, a riverboat cruise down the Danube river in Europe that goes from Vienna, Austria out to the black sea in Romania. Um, and I think it was the black sea. Anyway, it goes out to Romania. And, uh, so that was like a two week trip going through basically starting Europe. And then you go through out into Eastern Europe and it gets like more and more, um, I don't know, I guess like remnants of, the uh like the old style of the soviet union i guess um so yeah it was it was really like eye-opening and mind-blowing and really cool so yeah like big shout out to uncle bill rest in peace he was a good one yes uncle bill i love that and i like that that to me just embodies the importance of role models and you know folks that are are trailblazers in their own right that are either you know within your family or maybe there's somebody else but that the notion that someone you know has that confidence and that skill set and maybe that experience to to travel and to bring you out of that bubble at whatever age you are and and really kind of forces you to to break up that pattern of, you know, living at home and, and like you said, kind of heads down being in your bubble and, you know, pick up your head and, and look around and see, see how the rest of the world lives. I, I can't help but think, you know, in my own life, my, my parents really were the sole uh, two people that pushed that for me. And, you know, I traveled internationally since I was three years old and I was really fortunate enough to take basically an international trip every single year. Uh, my dad found some loopholes in the frequent flyer miles uh, early on in airlines. And he really made it a priority along with my mom to, to get us out and to, you know, expose us to new places. And like, 
obviously there's a lot of uh, privilege in that and a lot of opportunity that our family had that that many other families don't have. And, you know, I was very fortunate to grow up in a family that that a had the means to do that, but then also prioritize that as a choice. And, you know, I, I reflect on being, you know, three or, or four years old and having, you know, no actual memories of those trips, but seeing the photos. And uh, as we talk, I'm sitting on the island of St. Martin in the Caribbean uh, while my wife is going to medical school and my two boys have moved here with us. So three and a half years old and two years old. And, you know, they they may or may not have the memories uh, tangibly. I think my older son will. Uh, to a certain degree, but they'll have the photos and kind of the the lore of the travels when they were younger to kind of shape shape their life's trajectory. So that story that you just told resonates really well with me as I think of kind of a common story I've heard on this podcast and from other people that have traveled a lot that really there was either that moment or that role model or that you know friend that kind of held their hand and, and pulled them out into this world. And you know, that's that's really cool to hear that that you had that. And I can't help but connect the dots from that, you know, those trips when you were younger to Bali to then, you know, you're leveling up through this and you're kind of getting getting your sea legs, so to speak. And you're able to, you know, then make this leap to Italy that uh, sounds like, again, it was really a life changing experience for you. Oh, definitely. Yep. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> I don't know. It's just so cool how people can affect other people's lives in positive and negative ways, but the positive ways, you know, like it's just something to really keep in mind as we all uh, progress in our own lives. Like for one, to be grateful for what we have received and then for two to pass that on in whatever way that we can. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, you may not know this actually, now that I'm thinking about it, but you know, when I studied abroad in Australia, um, so that was 2009, uh, like I remember having talked to you about your experiences uh, in Italy, actually. And like I had always wanted to study abroad and, and pursue that path. But, you know, I had, um, you know, some obstacles in my way, uh, namely my, my grades at the time were not they were not good enough to uh, have Colorado State endorse my study abroad through any like accredited program uh, or at least any like official partnership. I think I had like a, a 2.9 or something and you needed a 3.0 to be able to like go through these programs. And I actually like I was enamored by all these stories of people studying abroad. I traveled a lot internationally when I was a little kid and I actually worked with my dad to direct enroll into a university in Australia. And then we worked together to get those credits transferred. So it wasn't like an official study abroad. I basically just said like, okay, well, I'm taking a semester off from CSU. I'm applying to another school. I'm going to go there for a semester and then I'm going to come back. And like, we just kind of pieced it together. And I think that's another, another example of like, you know, if you want something bad enough, you can always find a way to get it done. Like you can always, you know, figure out what, what the workaround is and what can work for your situation. And like, I, yeah, I mean, I just, I can't help but go back and remember kind of the, the, the different influencers that I had to, to really give me the energy and the fortitude to solve those problems. Totally. And I mean, the thought that comes up around that is that, I mean, yes, 
you know, being able to travel internationally and being given these opportunities is, is a huge privilege that a lot of people can't like, can't afford or can't do in terms of like, uh, financial reasons and things like that. But it seems like the bigger thing is just the, like the vision to see that there are things like that out there. Like you just said, like, really, like you can, you can do anything that you want or put your mind to. And really, so it's really like being able to like, look up and see that like, Oh, there is something over there. Let me go check it out. And you know, like, how am I going to do it? I don't know. Like the universe will help you find a way if, if you want to, if you're thinking about it. So it's like really like the biggest thing that needs to happen in people's lives is like gain an awareness of what's going on in different places to know that places exist. And that's one way that I feel like social media and the way that we're going in sort of like a globalization way is really awesome because it's democratizing people's like ability to see other other places around the world. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, like, listen, our world has changed drastically since you went to Italy and since I lived in Australia, for example, or even many of the other travels that I've been on. But I think you you brought up a really fantastic point of like self-efficacy and ownership over your life's trajectory. And like, you know, I, I say often that, you know, the the more that you travel, the more you realize how much you actually haven't traveled and how much you haven't experienced. And it gives you this interesting lens of understanding that this world is humongous and there are billions of other humans walking around living their lives. And, you know, every opportunity you have to interact with somebody that is totally different than you and in whatever uh, metric you want to pursue and, and think about, like that is the core of the value of travel, right? It's that exposure. And like, I think about your trajectory as well and being a, a young artist kind of growing up also kind of on a, a similar path, you're exploring travel. Like how did these two worlds converge for you? And like, when did that happen? How did those, so like travel and art, like when did that come together? Yes. Travel and art and a little mixing pot. How did those two, two things come together for you? um well i mean the two blended i I guess just like having an artistic lens like being an artist quote unquote and liking to make art it's like everything just sort of i look at everything from that perspective and then everybody thinks about me as like oh that you know how like when people when kids like, uh, you know, like, let's say a kid likes dolphins. Well, then all of a sudden, everything that they get for Christmas is something to do with dolphins and something at their birthday, something to do with dolphins. You go on somewhere and then they're like, hey, let's like show you the dolphins at SeaWorld, whatever. <laughs> Same thing with art. And so then everybody's just like knows that, uh, that I'm like into art. So then uh, things that people talk to me about, things like uh, trips that I go on, all these things, it's like, more, I guess it's just like this slow build into more and more art into my life. Like my grandma also would take me to art museums when I was younger. And, and then like everywhere I go, everywhere I travel, I'm like, what's the art look like from here? What's, what's it all about? What do the galleries look like? What are the street, what's the street art look like? What's, what's going on with the architecture, all kinds of stuff. It's like, 
uh, you kind of can't even separate them once, once I got into like really opening my eyes to the, like that everything around us is art all the time. And yeah, high school, I became more aware college. I became much more aware. And then, you know, after that, it's like the soup has been made. (laughs) It's, it's all blended together at this point. I love that progression. And you know, my, my reaction to that too, is I, you know, I see different worlds, uh, within my own life that have come together through travel and other interests. I'd be curious to, to hear your thoughts on like, what is a a recent experience that you had that, that still falls squarely in that like exploratory, uh, mode for you? Like, are these worlds still converging, right? Are you still finding yourself through kind of physically moving your body to another city or to another space to create art and you're like being transformed in that process? Is that something that like is still happening? Cause I imagine in my experience, like you never really achieve with like air quotes, uh, a traveled person or you never really become like, a full and accomplished artist with like, here's the end point. I've done it. I've achieved it. I'm at, I'm at the top of that mountain. Like, do you have a recent experience where those worlds are still coming together for you? Oh man. Yeah. Well, to that point, I think, uh, you're right. You're always moving towards more and more and building towards more and more. And if you ever have that moment where you think that you've achieved, that's when you fall into the trap of, like being done with life and then you basically like throw in the towel and retire and then you're, you're out to pasture. (laughs) Um, but so like, I mean, as an artist, I feel like I'm going to continue to make art until I can't anymore in any shape or form. And at that point I'm basically in a coma, but until then, you know, right now I'm, I'm like young and able-bodied so I can make art. I can make murals. I can be on ladders. I can do all this stuff at a certain point. I'm not going to be able to do that, but I'll still be able to draw in a notebook or let's say like I use, lose the use of my hands or something I'll like technology will be there where I can like put on a little laser beam onto my arm and draw on a wall or something. Yes. Laser beam art. Right. I like, I can't wait to be the first laser beam artist, but, um, no, I do. I will wait though. But San Francisco was a trip that I just went on uh, to do a mural in these folks' courtyard at their house because everybody's social distancing in their backyard gets a little bit drab. And so they came to me with this idea. There's a mural that they like in the neighborhood. And so then they sent me that as inspiration and then gave me some ideas of like different things that they want me to put in. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm down in San Diego. I drove up to San Francisco and spent a couple of days up there hanging out, painting that wall. And then also I'm driving around the city here and there. I'm looking at the murals on the walls. I mean, during COVID, it's a lot more locked down, but like I go around to different cities all over the place and I'm making art. And then at the same time, I'm, a, I'm absorbing the art that's around me and um, and the flavor and the culture and the everything. And then I'm putting it into the artwork. Um, another trip, one that stands out to me was the, uh, the mural that I did in Alaska. Uh, it's called life enlightened. And it's, uh, it's at this dispensary that has this beautiful wall outside that was just like, they wanted something awesome that really like 
uplifted the community, like brought a lot of color to everything. And, um, and I've traveled to Alaska a bunch of times doing live art with this band called Wasteland Hop. Uh, these friends of mine from Fort Collins actually. And every time we go, you know, they're, they're on tour and I'm just with them making art at their art at their shows. And I'm just like absorbing everything, the, the culture, the people, the landscape, the, the, the light. I mean, in the summertime, the sun doesn't go down. So like that's infusing into my, into my paintings and they're looking a certain way. And you know, that, that mural, I feel like brought in, you know, like there's this whole Alaskan culture, Alaskan native culture. And, and, and I feel like, like you can't help, but absorb that when you're there. Um, a couple of years ago, I got to go to Egypt. Uh, a friend of mine lives out there with his wife as teachers and Haley and I got to go there and, you know, go check out the pyramids and all the different places like Luxor. And, um, we're just like soaking in all this stuff. And I, I feel like it was just like filling up my cup for when I got back and I just like made art and everything had pyramids in it for a little while. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. That's, I mean, those, those are three really fantastic examples and really powerful, you know, like it, what really strikes me is your, your skill set, your, your talent and your facility as an artist has, and, and really your passion for travel, uh, has kind of come together in a very unique way that has enabled you to have these experiences with these other people in, in kind of creating. And like that, that to me is such a quintessential like example and, and core part of why we, why we do what we do, right? Like why we travel and why we explore. And like, I can't help but think about a lot of other people that are looking for those opportunities and how, just how creative you've been in carving out like those trips. And I, I think that, you know, for the person that is not necessarily uh, an artist that can use that medium to travel that's maybe sitting, uh, you know, working from their basement right now, or maybe, you know, works in a, in, in an office normally, like those types of uh, adventures maybe kind of seem like fantasy, like maybe a little bit far off. Uh, but you know, I think there's a lot of other ways that we can explore and travel. Like what advice would you have for somebody that maybe doesn't have that immediate facility as an artist, but would be open to exploring and trying to expand their perception of the world around them? Oh, just do it. Just dream it. Think about it. Do some brainstorming. I mean, every action starts within. It starts in your mind. It starts in your heart. I mean, that like the heart part is like an itch, you know, to get out. And I mean, I feel it. I'm sure you feel it. Everybody who travels regularly, they like, they feel that itch when they haven't traveled in a while. And, you know, like you, like you said, when you travel, then you realize how big the world is and how little you've actually traveled. So then you want to like get back out to it. And so, I mean, advice I'd say maybe, start small and, um, to plan it out like a little while in advance, you know, if you've never gone anywhere before plan a trip to the, like, you know, a five hour drive away, find a spot and plan it out six months in advance and spend a week there and just immerse yourself and enjoy the place. Like don't take work. Like 
yeah, start small and then stretch out farther and farther. And, um, it's like traveling is like a muscle. And if you exercise it, you get better at it. Your systems of flow get better. You know, the things that trip you up in the first time, you know, you figure out and then you don't trip next time. And yeah, just get out, go. I love it. That's, that's fantastic advice. And I would like double click on that uh, every time. I think that's a really great way to think about these, these types of endeavors. And I, I know there's probably a lot of kind of pent up energy from folks that have been, like I said, working in their basement, or maybe they're at home with their two kids that are going to school right now. And they're also trying to work a full-time job and figuring it out. And, you know, I, I just always, I always go back to that feeling of when you've kind of left all of that behind, right? You've kind of taken a step out of that that life and that status quo and that kind of routine at home and all the habits associated with it, the good ones and the bad ones. You kind of time travel, you get into this this machine that moves you to another geographical location. And in that, there's an opportunity to hit the reset button mentally. Uh, to kind of reconnect with the things that are really important to you and to disconnect from the things that maybe are toxic behaviors or maybe are are things that are giving you stress or causing anxiety in your life. And, you know, I think you just nailed it right on the head of, you know, when we can travel safely or if you can find a way to travel safely in, in the pandemic, you know, get out and take those opportunities and try to immerse yourself as much as possible in in that endeavor. Um, I think a lot about, you know, your just kind of catching up with you over the years and, you know, seeing the new projects that you've been working on as an artist. And like, I'm, I've actually always been curious to ask you, uh, what has been like your most successful art project that you've worked on and, you know, what is the story behind that? Mm, Nice. Um, well, let me come back to that. And I I just, let me comment on what you just said there, I feel like the version of us, of me and of you when we travel is a really beautiful version because we can, it, because we don't have the constraints of like, we got to go home to this house that we operate and manage. And, you know, you got to organize this and you got to do that. And you're like, you're tied down to all these like sort of egoic connections to this and that and and you're start you're you're kind of changed to work or these habits or these places or whatever um you you are just completely free of that and so then i feel like it's a very present way of being and maybe that like that's one element of travel that is so amazing like it's not just the places you go or the places that you um the people you meet and all these things it's the person you become and that's like sort of an intangible element that is so valuable with travel. And it, it, it does, it allows you to press the reset button. It it allows you, it gives you this view of your life that is disconnected where you can look at it and be like, wow, those things I'm doing aren't serving me. Those things I'm doing are great. I definitely want to double down on that. You know, you can, it like allows you time outside of your own life to sort of critique, regroup, think about dream, focus, you know, like if you want to start something big in your life or you're like, you have a, a project or an idea or something like that, like an amazing way to charge it up is to 
get out of your life for a little bit, travel, and then, and then think about it in that mindset where like every moment is new. So inevitably like the restraints and restrictions that you normally would have that might tell you, like your brain might say, oh, that's not possible because of this and that. Like when you're traveling, all of a sudden it's like, no, anything's possible. Like, why wouldn't I be able to do this and that? So it's like really great, uh, like fertile soil for planting new seeds of ideas. Yeah. I mean, you get into a seeker's mindset, right? Like you, you're forced to, especially if you're traveling to a place that you've never been before and you're having to relearn how to uh, communicate with people, maybe it's a different language. You have to relearn uh, what food is safe to eat, how to even uh, get food. Um, you have to relearn how to tra- like transport your yourself safely from point A to B. Like all of these, these types of tasks that are so hardwired into who we are in our own homes would we've set up uh, everything to be the optimal uh, you know, situation for us at home. You've got your, your smartphone, you've got this little computer in your pocket that's hooked up to your, your, you know, thermostat that has the, the house at the perfect temperature for you. You can, you know, start your car with a button, you can, you know, program all these things. And like, it really takes, it, it, it takes all of that and it kind of washes it away and it, it kind of, you know, breaks things down to like a very raw, experience again. And I I think that's just so positive for everybody. And I think that's what you're getting at in that last comment as well. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. It's so great. Uh, and you know to like and and you know to go back to to that transition too I you know thinking about like the convergence of these worlds and you know, the, the types of endeavors that you as an artist and a world traveler have uh, taken on and experienced in your life, you know, that's, that's part of where my mind is going and like, what is that most successful project to you? And, and it, there's probably some sort of Venn diagram that connects all of these pieces together, but I'd be curious to hear a little bit about how you define success with your artwork and how you, you know, continue to build upon those, uh, those successful projects. Yeah, totally. Uh, so two of them jump into mind and, uh, one of them is success on like a financial and a size and scale, like biggest, baddest thing that I've done. And then the other one is most successful in terms of like the true essence of like why I do this that has nothing to do with money at all. And the, so the, the, the essence one is, and I've had a couple of projects. Occasionally I have projects like these that are, that kind of hit on the same exact thing, which is, uh, I don't know. If, so I used to get my haircut at this guy's place in Fort Collins called Lloyd's barbershop next to the pickle barrel. I don't know if you remember that nice. spot there. Yeah. 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 That's there awesome. Forever, right. <laughs> yeah. So I used to get my hair cut there and Lloyd was great. He's just this old man. It's an old barber shop. Just like everything that you want out of a quintessential barber. He, it was him. And then like his, he had one other chair and it was a tiny little spot, really quaint and great. And uh, so 
I would get my hair cut there and then he knew I was an artist. And one day he's like, Hey, would you be willing to uh, do a portrait of my wife? Um, here's a picture of her. He shows me a picture. I snap it on my phone or maybe he just gave me a photo and uh, he's like, she's just so great and blah, blah, blah. And tells me all about her. And I'm like, awesome. Take it home, work on it for a little bit. And um do this like I really put a lot into this portrait to really make it look like her and finished it up, put it in a little frame for him. And I brought it back. And when I got there, he wasn't there, but the other barber was. And I I show up, I'm like, hey, is Lloyd around? She's like, no. Or it was more profound than that. She's she's like, no, he's not. Um why can I help you with something? And I'm like, well, I did this portrait for his wife and or for, for him of his wife. And I pull it out and I show her and she just like, is like stunned. And then she starts crying and I was like, okay, what's going on? And, uh, she's like, he's not home. Cause his wife died last night. And I was like, Oh my God. And, uh, so then, yeah, I, I was like, well, whoa, I was kind of in shock and I left it there and she was kind of in shock. It was just like a crazy weird coincidence. And um, so then, yeah, I come back to get my hair cut, like, you know, a month later or whatever. And uh, he was he was just like, a you know, bummed out, obviously. He was like because they'd been together forever. And um, he he was just like so heartfelt, like in his appreciation for it and he told me that that portrait sat like that was the main piece of art at the funeral and like holy shit you know to to be to have the privilege of adding that to somebody's life you know it's like it's really profound for me that I get to be in that position and I've been in that position a handful of times in different people's lives in those ways where I get to make this image that is like so charged with meaning for people. And so like <laughs> that's success right there to me. I got, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is, I'm in the right spot. This is exactly what I'm here for. Um, and then the other one that stands out in a different way was this one that I did earlier this year at a place called together we grow. It's a school for kids with developmental disabilities, de- developmental challenges. A lot of them, can't speak or never will be able to, can't walk, you know, there's like different beds for kids. And um, yeah, this woman, uh, Terry Rachiato and her family, they run these places and they've got like four schools that they have now. And this was their like, their new building. They were creating this whole new facility and everything was state of the art. And there's nine different rooms and these are big rooms. And one of them is like this huge room. Um, and uh yeah and each room got a different theme and so like one was yosemite one was a farm one was the arctic uh the hallway that connected everything was the underwater ocean and they gave me some ideas of some animals and i just went to town so it's like each one is its own landscape with all these different animals and then there was a little like character a little squirrel that like traveled around and was kind of like the tour guide for everybody room to room you could see he i like set him up in each room all over the place and um that project took five months and was a big payday and like 
it was just so cool to think in terms of like creating spaces for these kids that would never get to go to these places you know like talk about like travel versus not being able to like these kids will never get to go to any of these places. So this was as close as they're going to get to half dome at Yosemite or anything like, like to see a polar bear, you know, like not that I have seen a polar bear, but like it was just, (laughs) it was so awesome to, you know, think in terms of creating a world for, for these little guys and, and, you know, and yeah, like they just spared no expense. They pulled out all the stops and to be part of a project like that, where like the full focus is the experience that is left behind. And, uh, you know, no worries other than that was just awesome. I, I am so grateful that you, you shared those answers there. I mean, such clearly such passion I can hear coming through in your voice and such, you know, genuine positivity and resonant, uh, like enthusiasm about those those two stories and really heartfelt stories nonetheless. And I think that, you know, each and every one of us can relate to something like that that we've experienced in our life. And it's, I think you nailed it right on the head that it is that experience. It's ephemeral. It's something that is probably, you know, locked into that moment. And now our memory of it is basically the, you know, the emotional story that we can tell ourselves, or maybe we've journaled, um, or maybe we've captured it in a podcast, uh, who knows? And, you know, having, having these, these little notes and these breadcrumbs that we can follow, I think are so important. And, you know, I'm, I'm in awe of your, again, your facilities to, to capture these moments as an artist. And I, I'm thinking about all of, you know, the, the other professions and everyone else in the world that has been able to, you know, benefit from these types of creative pursuits. And I also, you know, think of, you know, folks that are on the precipice of trying to make those decisions for themselves on whether or not to create similar opportunities, whether or not to pursue, say, a career as an artist that is, you know, risky, uh, but also extremely rewarding. So, like, I'd love to ask you, you know, what advice would you have for folks that are looking to step into something like art as a profession, you know, no matter where they're at on that, that trajectory? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say, go for it. No matter what type of art you make, no matter what type of, you know, creative field you're in, if you're into it, other people are too. And there is a market for it. There is an opportunity. You just have to find it. And the main elements of being a creative uh, entrepreneur or, or like a freelance artist are one is, is making the art and getting good at what you do, which is going to happen if you make it a lot like if you i don't care what you're into i don't care who you are i don't care how poorly how poor you are at what you think you you know at what you do you think you are if you do it for ten thousand hours you're going to get great at it hands down so just if you're committed to going after it if you're committed to putting in the time and enjoying the process and becoming that, then, uh, then you can do it. You can find a spot, you can find your community. Yeah. I mean, the first part is, is doing it and doing a lot of it. The second part is building a community. The third part is building a business structure around it. 
And the third part can come last or like, as you go along, I mean, I, like I said, I dropped out of, I didn't do the business route, but now after years of being a professional artist, I have learned the business of it. And now it's like really exciting to me to evolve my business processes. And so like that, that can all happen no matter who you are, where, what your background is, who your parents are, what kind of schooling you got or didn't get. It doesn't matter. Like this day and age with the internet, we are more connected than ever. There's all these different websites. And when you look out at the world of art as a beginner, you see all these people that are so amazing and so good in different ways. And there's so many of them that it's easy to think that the market is saturated, that, uh, there's no room for you, that you'll never be as good as all these people. And you're wrong because what you're looking at is the result of thousands of hours of practice of thousands of hours of learning and connections with people. And like, um, just you're looking at the end of somebody's hike and you are just on your first step and there's going to be twists and turns and you're going to break your ankle at a certain point and you're going to have to learn how to fix it. And you're going to, you know, there's all these adventurous things that are going to happen. Um, but, and they will happen, but you just got to go and, and trust that it's going to work. And I mean, the one thing that you can really affect in the world is what, you do, you can affect your actions and that's about it. So bet on yourself and go for it. I love it. I, you know, I, I also would love to add something that you actually said in the last conversation that we had together that, uh, I think is extremely timely right now, but the, the notion that we're all standing on the shoulders of giants and there have been so many people that have come before us that have paved this path and have, you know, carved out the 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 footholds and the handholds for us to continue to grow as as humans. And you know, I, I can't help but evoke Kamala Harris right now as such such an amazing embodiment of that idea and thinking about all of the women that have, you know, broken glass ceiling after glass ceiling after glass ceiling. And now we've got Kamala Harris, first female vice president, first vice president of color, you know, South Asian uh, descent, first black vice president. Um, And the beauty of that is there will be a first female president in our lifetime. I guarantee it. And it's so amazing to see you know, that progress. And that's one story. And, you know, that's one really amazing and powerful embodiment of what you're saying. And, you know, since we talked last time and you, you kind of brought up that idea of, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants and those that have come before you, you know, I, I reflect on my own life and you think about what we talked about in the beginning of this conversation, where you have to have those role models that have set that precedent that, not only is it okay to get out of your bubble and explore the world, it's encouraged and it's going to give you, you know, so many benefits and dividends as an investment in your life that, I mean, you're not going to be able to even comprehend all of these different things. And the fact, you know, the fact that you and I are, are talking right now, sitting next to, you know, two different oceans, uh, worlds apart, but 
we feel like we're in the same room and we're so connected with so much history and so much uh, hope for the future, I think really embodies that notion as well. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah. That's a, it's a, a definitely a connecting element between people. And, and when you do travel, you, you, you know it, you can like look at people and you can feel the connection. You're like, Oh yeah, you know, what's up. You know how to roll when things get challenging, when, you know, when life gets wild, because when you travel, things get weird and funky and you gotta, uh, you know, adjust and figure out solutions. And, and it's like, it's all a metaphor for life. It's all training for life. It is life. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, and by the way, I didn't know, I couldn't remember who that was. It said that, and it was Sir Isaac Newton. If I was able to see further than others, it's because I was standing on shoulders of giants. Perfect. Glad you circled back there because it's, I mean, it's such a powerful notion and we've, we've seen that quote applied over and over and over again. And it's, it's just so true. Yeah. It's, so true. And it's, I mean, one of the beautiful things about it is that it has humility woven into it. Like by saying that you're saying, sure, you are, if I've been, if, if you call me great, awesome. But it's because of all these things. Like I, I didn't do it myself. I, I didn't like climb this whole entire mountain myself. Yeah. And the beauty of that too is, you know, somebody's going to be standing on your shoulder someday, looking back at some of the things that you've accomplished. Yeah, totally. And, and like, that's how, like, if we, if we are successful, I would say like, like majorly successful, the best, the greatest artist, the greatest of anything, like you're basically going to be able to like add one brick to the top of the building you know, like, and, and maybe a couple bricks and then other people are going to add more bricks and, and just keep going. And so, um, yeah, it's like a, it's cool because when you get to the top, top level of things, like you're just, (laughs) everyone else is so amazing also that you're just like adding to like the top level of the structure, top level of the Jenga pile. That's just beautiful. I love it. One thing I was thinking that I wanted to talk about and maybe and see what you thought about it was was the concept of the arc of traveling and um and i was thinking about this earlier when i was listening to your podcast earlier um how once you start to travel you become a traveler it's like and let's say you let's say you say yes to an international trip to spain or something from the moment that you say yes all of a sudden everything's different you're like there's like a whirlpool of gravity sucking you into that trip. And then, you know, maybe it's three months until you leave, but those three months, all of a sudden, like you're a different person. You're, you're like in the gravitational field of that trip. And then you start, you know, to get closer and closer, things get exciting. You start packing and training and getting ready for whatever you need to do. And then there's like, the excitement of leading up to it. And then boom, you're on the plane and there's like tons of excitement and there's, uh, things start to speed up. Everything gets really exciting. And 
Uh, and then you're kind of like in the, in the whirlpool spinning around while you're on the trip. It's like all these highs and lows and things and crazy and fun and beautiful. And there's these moments of ecstasy and moments of like, Oh shoot, we're not going to make this train and we're not going to make that plane. Everything's lost in the whole world and uh, whatever. And then, and then you find a solution ups and downs and everything. And then towards the end of the trip, everything becomes really bittersweet and it's like time slows down for those last few days and everything you look at is that much more beautiful and things you taste and things you do. It's like that much more real because you know, it's going to be over in no time. And then, and then boom, you, you get on the plane to come back and you're just wiped. You're exhausted. You like, uh, your body's just had like, you've, you've done as much as you can handle. And then, uh, and then you get back and then everything's kind of like really quiet for a minute. And then, and then there's this period of integration of your trip. And that could be like a day to three months, you know, and, and then you're in like the in-between time between that trip and your next trip, wherever you go. It's like, once you're a traveler, you start to do these, like, it's like, it's like a, a wave function or a form, you know, there's troughs and there's peaks and you, and so like, once you're a traveler, you're just like on this constant wave of like, Oh, I'm just, if I'm home, I'm like in between traveling. And then you make your, you, tra- you plan your next trip and then you're, and then the whole process starts over. You know what I'm talking about, Ben? That was, that was beautiful. I, yes, that was, that was great. I, um, is there any particular part you want me to respond to? I, I've got ideas, but <laughs> just, uh, just let it rip, whatever you got. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, so my undergrad was in uh, natural resource recreation and tourism, and there was actually a empirical model. Basically, you nailed it to a T of when you're uh, going to go on a trip, when you're going to be a tourist and, and experience something, there are these different stages. And there's kind of like the you know, contemplation stage. Once you've, you know, booked the trip, there's kind of this planning stage where it gets exciting, like what you were describing. Uh, there's a travel to phase where it's, it's, you know, from point A to point B, it's that transit, which is a, a key part of the, you know, psychological experience of a trip. Is the actual trip when you're there, you're immersing yourself, like you said, uh, so beautifully that I, I'm not going to try to repeat because I, I think that your version is really fantastic. And then, you know, when you come home, it's that, again, that travel, travel back home phase where you're reflecting and you're kind of reminiscing. Uh, it's so fresh. It's still there. You kind of are still part of the, the process, but it's it's in the rear view and then you get home. And I think one of my my personal favorite parts of that entire process is, like you said, you know, not only that in between time where you're like really taking that experience and now you're embodying it, you're integrating that within your life. You're, you're maybe making some short-term changes, but maybe you're making long-term changes that are more durable that you're either aware of, or maybe you're not aware of some of the changes that you're making becomes part of who you are. Um, but then kind of a, a step further from that is, you know, building that into your longer term plan of listen this is who i am this is i am a traveler and i i aspire to to continue to push myself in this way and to continue to reach out to folks and find whatever opportunities are available to me to have those types of experiences again and i think that 
that happens in between. I think it becomes really embedded in who you are and your identity as a person, even to the extent that when you're like, quote unquote, at home, your eyes are just so much more wide open and you're just so much so much more attuned to what's going on. And you almost feel like you're a tourist at your own house where you're soaking in a lot more than maybe you had perceived before those types of experiences. Right. And I guess the ultimate question is how can you prolong those benefits and how can you, you know, stay in touch with that, that authenticity that you experienced when you were traveling, uh, in a way that, that, you know, carries on and and just feels natural to you. And, And how can you prevent yourself from losing, you know, losing those, those moments that are too fleeting for many. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's exactly right about the being a tourist in your own, own zone. And I think that once you, uh, I think the way that you do it is by traveling often, like not all the time because you can overdo it and burn yourself out. But if you have a nice waveform of troughs and peaks, then you're always like kind of keeping yourself in balance going left and right. And you're, you're never just stationary in one place. And that cause stationary, you get a little bit stagnant and then you lose perspective of like yourself and the, the rest of the world. And, and ultimately, I mean, like it all just feeds into being a better version of ourselves, I think. And so that's, like it's very important, I think, that that people travel because then you, yeah, you get back. It's like you you wipe the dust off of yourself when you travel. You like shake it off, and then you know the dust that naturally accumulates in in your normal day to day life. And uh, it's good to stay fresh when you feel that dust starting to collect. That's when that itch starts to happen. You're like, I got to get out of here. I got to go. And I mean, it can be. I think people can get attached to the travel thinking that that's um, like the end all be all, but really like what we're seeking is that like freshness of mind, that freshness of perspective, that, that present way of being, which is really cool because it's like, there's ways to um, add to that in your daily life so that you are more present and you can be more of like a traveler in your own in your own city, in your own daily life too. There's like, you know, like meditation is one thing that can really help you be present through everything. And, um, and just like, I mean, in your own town, you can be a traveler. Like you can, you can work it into your schedule so that like every day or every week you're doing something new, something fresh that you've never seen before or going back to different places. Like, like we don't even need to travel far to, achieve that mindset and that viewpoint. Yeah. And I think that the notion of being present to like, I think of my three and a half year old and my two year old that, that only live in the present, like their, their facility to look forward even five minutes or look, look forward to it's Wednesday and they're looking forward to fun Friday. And I, I try to tell them that, or even today, like it's a Thursday, tomorrow's fun Friday. Yeah. But like dad, things are right in front of me right now. And I've got more important things. My Legos just fell apart and they're all over the floor. And this is what I'm so focused on and worried about. And there's, there's something that as a parent, 
is very like frustrating about that, trying to rationalize. But there's also something so incredibly beautiful and important that we should all take away from those lessons and that you have to live in that in the moment. Like this is five seconds ago is past and five seconds from now is not here yet. And all you really have is this current moment. And what what can you do in your day to day to break it up and to get out of those programmatic routines and habits that maybe they some of them serve you. Uh, probably most of them do not serve you. And, you know, when you travel, you obviously identify the things that maybe weren't serving you so well, like, oh, it feels so good to be disconnected from my phone or off my computer screen or whatever it is. Um, but then, you know, when you get back, it's so hard to backslide into those behaviors. Right. So I, I am totally with you that, that we need to, to figure out how to be more present and meditation is a very powerful tool to do that. And I think that there are a lot of other ways that we can try to, you know, self, self betterment and self, uh, you know, improve our, our daily existence. And I, I mean, I, I look at you as someone that has figured out a lot of those things and has continued to weave that into who you are as a person, both in your personal and professional life. And again, one of the things that I, I just so profoundly respect about you. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's all about that balance. Don't think, don't take things too seriously, but also this is the only life we've got. So make it happen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, I think that's a really fantastic place to put a pin in this conversation. I definitely uh, encourage everyone out there to get in touch with Mr. Taylor Gallegos. Uh, what are the best ways folks can connect with you? Well, you can uh, find me on Instagram and Facebook at Taylor G Murals. I've got a website, taylorgmurals.com. And you can also, yeah, check out my fine art uh, at taylorgallegosart.com. Yeah. And I, I think the one, the other big one that you haven't mentioned in that little uh, rundown is your podcast. Uh, go ahead and check out uh, Taylor's podcast. I'll link it in the show notes, uh, Art and Life. It's fantastic. And again, 52 episodes, season one, there's a lot of wisdom and just a treasure trove of amazing perspectives on life and folks that are you know, pursuing their own creative paths and definitely worth a listen. Oh yeah. And it's only going to go up from here. I can't wait. And one thing that, you know, you and I've talked about is just in order to have like real success with a podcast, you just got to keep going and just keep going and keep going. And I, I mean, you and I've both said this, that like these conversations that we have in our lives with these people are so awesome because the people around us have so much wisdom and like life experience and, a lot of the conversations I'm like, God, I wish I was recording that. Cause that, that would be great, you know, I, stuff for people to hear. And so, yeah, I'm going to just keep doing it for who knows how long. And, and I know you are too. And man, I'm happy to be a part of this uh, beginning of your, your podcast. This is great. 
I love it, Taylor. And, you know, I think that people are lucky to have you here in their earbuds right now or playing over their speakers. And, you know, I just want to give you a very genuine, heartfelt thank you for not only inspiring me to flip the the switch and hit record and start talking to the folks that are around me, uh, but also, you know, lighting that path and being such a, a great mentor over the past 15 years. So thank you so much for everything. And, and thanks for joining here today. Thanks, Ben. I'm proud of you. You're doing good things with your life. I mean, I've seen you. I I was uh, I was your soccer coach at CSU for a little bit, and I've seen you. You like were a freshman. You just like this fresh faced freshman, be like, "What's up, coach? How's it going?" And you like thought it was funny to mess around and joke around with me, and I, like now you're this like grown adult family. You're working you know, this great job, University of Michigan, all this stuff, podcasting. It's, uh, dude, it's fun to watch you grow up. <laughs> Thanks coach. Good Appreciate job, Ben. It. Keep it up. <laughs> all right, man. Well, with that, you know, keep, keep doing what you're doing. Keep, uh, putting your positive energy out in the world and, uh, we'll do this again. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. All right. Love you, man. Love you too. All right, my friends, what did you think? Mr. Taylor Gallegos has so much to offer each and every one of us. I'm so glad that he was able to jump on and have that conversation in this medium. And I would encourage all of you to jump into his website, jump into his Instagram and keep tabs on this guy because he is always creating, he's always doing some really amazing work, uh, both as an artist, but also just as a seeker and as somebody that is just trying to improve themselves every single day. To get in touch with Taylor, uh, he's on Instagram, like I mentioned. Uh, so Taylor Gallegos Art is his handle. I'll put that in the show notes. And also go to his website, taylorgallegosart.com. I will also drop that in the show notes. And pick up a print, pick up a, an original piece. If you've got a commission idea, this guy, uh, again, his creativity knows no bounds. So if you want to paint the side of a ship, if you own a ship, uh, if you want to paint a wall inside your house, if you want a portrait of your two-month-old son or maybe your puppy, uh, this guy can do it. Uh, definitely give him a shout if you're interested in collaborating as an artist and Finally, check out his Art and Life with Taylor Gallegos podcast. It will not disappoint. He has some really awesome guests on there, and they explore the depths of art and creativity. So with that, I want to thank you for joining the podcast today. And as always, please hit subscribe and uh, download the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And I look forward to seeing you all again soon. <music>